It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is a Smooth Soul Monday edition of Ball Don't Lie. We play jams um, that are intended to soothe the tortured soul of sports fans who may have had a tough weekend. Uh, that was not the case for Texas basketball fans uh, because the Texas men did advance to the Sweet 16. How sweet it is with a win over Penn State. We'll talk about that uh, next, uh, next segment coming up in Rod's Round today. We'll talk about the big NFL stories over the weekend. Uh, the Cowboys making a trade for Brandon Cooks. We'll get into that and also talk about the Texans re-signing Laramie Tunsil. Shout out to the Specs text line 512-337-377 Texter sales. Terrier traffic guy. The Wells Branch Parkway and Howard Lane accident is clear. Just came through here. Thank you very thank much, you. Texter. Thank you. Uh, for the hope you're not texting and driving, but thank you for the real time traffic uh, updates. We appreciate that. And we will relay the information to our traffic guy. So before you get into mm-hmm. what you're about to get into, yes, sir. I wanted to let you know that the Texans, your Texans, have signed Dalton Schultz to a one year deal. Damn. Gina? $9 million. Damn, Gina. Yesterday's price is not today's price. <laughs> exactly. Because this is a guy that reportedly turned you know, turned down a deal. Now, this is Albert Breer. Only, everybody's got different sources. Mm-hmm. Jane Slater, by the way, says the Cowboys uh, did not make such an offer to Dalton Schultz, but Albert Breer, he claimed something different. Um, so here is what he said. Albert Breer said Schultz had a three-year, $36 million contract offer at one point, which he declined, like I said. There's uh, de- de- deferring reports about that. Yesterday's but price is not today's price. It's pretty obvious that <laughs> he miscalculated his own worth and value on the open market. If all he got was a one-year deal, how much is it worth overall, you said, to the Texans? $9 million. Up to $9 million. So he's making less than, what is the franchise tax for tight ends? Do we know? 10.9 that so he made last year. So he's making less than the uh, the value is for the top tight ends in the mm-hmm. league. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, good move for the Texans. You get great value for the Texans. That's tremendous value. Hey, tight ends are very important for rookie quarterbacks, too. Yeah, this is a great point. It's yep. <clears throat> a safety blanket, but it's, 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 it's clear that Dalton Schultz. Like I said, he misread the market himself. And if he was offered anything by the Cowboys, he should have taken that. Cowboys, I, I believe, Cowboys probably wanted to try to get him back at a discounted price. Yep. And I wonder why the Cowboys couldn't get that deal. Is it only because he's upset with the Cowboys because he probably feels a little slighted because he wanted a long-term deal with them? Doesn't everybody? So one year nine mil, Cowboys would have paid that, I'm sure. Easy. They would have done that easily. Easy. So he yeah. probably was like, told his agent, no, I don't want to be with the Cowboys. Right. No, no, no. I'd rather be right down the damn road, Texans. I can still, I can still keep my house, and keep I, everything. And I don't have to pay them taxes. And I ain't got to pay them taxes. Yep. But so. as I said, yesterday's price is not today's price. And today's price is not tomorrow's price. Yep. That's the no lesson. Doubt. And, of course, they just, well, I told you during the break, <laughs> they signed Devin Singletary as well. 
All right. So, so we'll get into Texans in a little bit. We'll do that. We'll do that when Rod's around today. We'll get into some NFL talk and talk about the Cowboys and the Texans and the moves that they are making. But let's talk about the moves that the Longhorns are making, gentlemen, because they come up with that big win in the second round of the tournament to advance to the Sweet 16. And yeah, let's talk about the biggest storyline and the, the hero of this contest. If you're a Longhorn fan, it was Dylan DeSue, who was just absolutely extraordinary in his performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was 14 of 19 inside the arc. You pointed out Harge's only his first shot was that three-pointer <laughs> that seemed to be out of character, if yep. you will. Uh, but he took it, ended up with you know, 28 total points, um, 16 second-half points, um, ended up breaking the Texas record uh, with 14 field goals in an NCAA tournament game. That was a record that was held by Kevin Durant and LaMarcus Aldridge. He had 10 rebounds as well, so uh, he was crashing the boards, but he was just an offensive force for them late. And Penn State had no answer. Penn State could not answer. They had no adjustment or any counter, if you will, to Dylan DeSue. And give Rodney Terry credit, give all the you know the coaches credit. They understood that this was going to be a huge matchup advantage for them, and they really did. They abused Penn State down low. I believe the, the points in the paint advantage was 40 to 24 in yep. favor of Texas. And I said it earlier, you know, Dylan DeSue also has the clutch gene. Yeah, he did. Now he showed us. Now he showed us his repertoire of offensive moves. But now he's showing us he got the clutch gene in that in that first half. Late in the first half, uh, Texas was trying to close out strong in the first half. He scored six straight points mm-hmm. to help close out that uh, six. I think their last eight points to close out the first half. And then in the second half, when Penn State goes on the 10-0 run, they take the three-point lead. Rodney Terry calls the timeout. We'll hear some of that sound, um, courtesy of uh, Craig Way, about what happened. And transpired in that timeout, but then after that, they come out of that timeout and they just start feeding the beast yep. to Sue down low, and he scores eight of their next ten points, and they go on a 10-0 run with him scoring eight of those ten points, and they take a seven-point lead, and really they don't, you know, there, there's really no let up after that for Texas. They end up closing out that game and winning it seventy-one to sixty-six, and I, I can't say enough good things about Dylan to Sue. Like I said, I do believe somebody out there. Needs to go find one of those bad mofo wallets. All right. <laughs> we all know the Pulp Fiction scene where Samuel Jackson asked him to give him my wallet back after he's been robbed. And the robber says, hey, man, I don't know how to identify your wallet. How do I know? He said, well, it's the wallet that has bad father mucker on it. All right. Yep. Bad father mucker. And he says, all right, give him the wallet. Well, we need to find one of those wallets. I'm sure there are some out there that have bad mofo on it. And we need to give it to Dylan DeSue. Because Dylan DeSue, the last eight games, has proven that he's the baddest mofo maybe in the tournament right now. When you find that rhythm, <laughs> when you find that rhythm, you keep feeding it to him, and Man. that's exactly what he's been able to do. Been playing some outstanding basketball. Uh, Penn State Seth Lundy, who was playing against him, said, "We've never played against a big man with that type of touch. I don't remember him missing not a float, not one floater. He would do it from ten feet, he would do it from fifteen feet, and he would do it from five feet. We have never played against anybody that had that kind of touch." And that's very fair to say because the way that he played is something that Texas fans have been waiting for. I know I have been waiting for. I've been talking about it because we got the Vanderbilt uh, Dylan DeSue. Not the Dylan DeSue that people have seen here for the last couple weeks. I mean, for the past season, when he first got here, he wasn't healthy. Patrick was talking to us because Patrick is there so early. He gets a chance to watch them work out and see all the other movement. And he kept saying, he's not 
there yet. He's not mm-hmm. there yet. Well, he's there yet, and he's in that good, sweet spot of endurance mm-hmm. and playing ability where he's getting really comfortable in any type of confidence that he has. He is really really playing with a lot of it. So it's been very impressive for him. I've been loving the way that he's been battling on the boards as well. He's not taking any junk. He's being very physical when he goes in there. So that's been an impressive run by this Texas Longhorn team. But most importantly, Dylan DeSue already was named the player of the tournament in the Big 12 tournament. And now he's trying to make his way right now in the NCAA tournament. I'm with you. It's uh, I mean, Patrick, you get a chance to see this team obviously up close and personal. Um, and Dylan DeSue's transformation. Uh, what do you, what do you, what do you think's the catalyst for this thing? It's just, it just took a matter of time for him to adjust to his role, new team, new I, scheme. I think late going later into the season, they were trying to feature him a little bit more on the mm-hmm. offensive end, and he just kept getting in foul trouble, and he just mm-hmm. kept not being able to stay on the court. And it's really hard to build a rhythm and build a identity on offense if the guy is constantly having to come back out of the game. So we saw them start to transition to, hey, we can see what he can do in practice. Like I think midway through the season, they realized what they had in practice and started trying to go that direction a bit more and more, and it just didn't seem to work out of either it wasn't a good matchup or there was foul trouble or just something else, or you know he gets two quick fouls, goes and sits down, and Jabari Rice starts killing it. So you're like, all right, let's, let's go with Jabari Rice. We get into the tournament, and now they're letting him play a little bit more so he's able to stay in those games and not pick up fouls on rebounds and things like that that kind of just plagued him all season. And now he's been able to stay in the games. They've been able to go to him. And this is something that, you know, I I think that there's a difference in philosophy that Chris Beard did not like to play an inside-out game. He didn't like to go inside-out. And I think it took a little while for this offense to change stylistically what they were doing, which is very set rotations and trying to play more with guard play. You want your bigs to spread out a lot more. We saw at the beginning of the year they were really trying to put him out on the three-point line a lot and get him to shoot more threes. I think that was more the philosophy going into the season. And then I guess, I'm guessing in practice they found, hey, wait a minute, look at this shot he's hitting it like, When's the last time he missed that shot? They oh, go, I don't know. I would yeah. love to see and, Van stats on that push shot. But that's the thing. About. I'm guessing he started doing that practice. They're like, can you do that in a game? And they were trying to get him more and more into it, and we just seen now he's been able to stay on the court, and his confidence is an all-time high. And this is a team that can get you that confidence because you never feel – I don't think they ever feel in this team like they're you know a burden of taking too many shots because everybody is so for everybody. You see them – you know, celebrating when Dylan DeSue is doing it. Everyone on the team is happy for Dylan DeSue. Yeah. There's no one saying, oh, man, no. of course, yeah, no, he's just ball hogging now because he's, you know, it's it's March and this is the time to shine. That's not what this team is built around. This team is built around, hey, let's go win games and we want everyone to eat. Yeah. They do. The, the yep. unselfishness, that's a great way to describe it. They want everybody to eat. I love the fact of the way that they play as a mm. team. Man, what makes them hard to beat? Yes. Well, because you know, usually your scheme is going around. Uh, you know, surround, it's going to be uh, revolving around a guy who kind of stirs the drink for you, right? They're yeah. going to be the catalyst for everything. That could be any given night. It could be Marcus Carr. It could be Serge Barrice. It could be Timmy Allen. Now we know it could be Dylan DeSue. No, yeah. I mean we any saw one of those four guys could be the straw that stirs the drink that <laughs> exactly. night. And we saw earlier in the season, and it hasn't been really as of late. But Brock Cunningham had some big points in games. 
And that was something he had never done because the team was designed on you get the ball to scores. Our non scores don't score. Like we don't you if it's a wide open layup, you can take it. Other than that, I don't want you shooting the ball. And that that mentality has changed to now, hey man, you get an open shot, you take it. Everyone on this everyone on this court can score. We've seen you do it in practice. So if you get the shot, you take the shot. And that mentality, I think, has just gained a more fun style of basketball because everybody feels like any minute could be their highlight. Yeah, and they're working hard for it. Yeah. It's that unselfish nature. They figure it's karma. It's going to come back to them. If I work my tail off, I love the uh, the Brennan Marion quote about it, the wide receivers. He always tell them that your, your love language to express how much you love your teammates is what you do without the ball. And that's, that's exactly show me how, right. Show me how much you love show your teammates. Show me who you are. That's yeah. right. You want to show you want to show how much you love your teammates. I got to watch you without the ball. Correct. Yeah. And that's defense. You know, what I mean, that's that's working uh, t- screens to set up other guys. That's rebounding. Mm-hmm. What you doing without the ball? And I think that's a g- great point, Pastor. A lot of this that this unselfish love language is about what is done without the basketball because like, it sets them up for whenever that moment's going to be. And nobody it could be Serge Ibaka, Rice, could be Dylan Dessou, could be Marcus Carr. We never know. No, we, we've talked about it all season about rebounding, and they're doing better at it now of not losing those parities. But part of that is, hey, man, are you blocking out a guy? I know you're you're 15 feet away from the basket. The ball ain't coming your way. It'll never show up on a stat sheet. That guy's going to be poking you in the ribs or poking at, your, poking at your side and trying to get past you in any way he can underneath the jerseys and trying to get around you. It hurts to do, and it's painful throughout a game, and it, there's literally no stat that will show that you did it. But that's how you win games. Yeah. Yep, what you yep. doing? Nobody's looking. Nobody. And, <laughs> and how many times have we heard that? It ain't no, ain't no doubt. You know yeah. what I'm saying? No it's doubt. what you do when nobody's looking shows the character of who you are. And the one thing that I love about this team, and you brought it up about the team and how they feed each other, the coaching staff does as well. You sit there and you look at it. They're coaching together. At the end of that game, you can see all these coaches. Now, obviously, everybody's excited. They won. They're going to the Sweet 16. Mm-hmm. But you see the true love and affection that these coaches have for each other with the big hugs, the dapping up, the talking, the players running to Coach Rodney, the players running to Chris Ogden, and all the other coaches that are on that team about, hey, this is where we are, outstanding stuff right here. We're all excited. That is where you know, and we talk about it all the time, Rod, the players in the locker room know who should be on the field and who shouldn't, and they are leading this team each step of the way, and it's a beautiful thing. It is. It's, it's inspiring to watch. It's fun to watch. They are arguably the best you know, story in, in the tournament, the best story in college basketball. They're one of those stories, and it's impossible to ignore the you know kind of resilience, the, the fortitude they've showed, the grit they've showed. They're just a, you know, and Rodney Terry's kind of goes back to him, and we'll get, get to talking about this because there's some sound. And Patrick, can you have that audio available? I believe, Hard, uh, uh, you shared this. I believe Craig Way is the one that yeah. <clears throat> actually ended up recording this after the game, but it was a great question asked, you know, to Rodney Terry. He called a really it was a, a great timeout. They needed it um, after a 10-0 run by Penn State. Texas ended up being down by three. Writing Terry calls a timeout, and I believe the question by Craig is, hey, what was said, what was you know discussed during that timeout? Here's Craig Way. 10-0 run to go up three because then your, your guys responded with a 10-0 run. You know what, Craig? I just said, hey, guys, we've been here before. We've been here all year long. We played in the best league in the country. Not one position we hit with mid-end. Let's regroup right now. We got a good come down. We got to get a stop. Okay, we got to score. We got to get a stop, and we'll get right back where we need to get it right now. And we did exactly that. 
You think your guys prove something tonight when you go one for 13 from three-point range that you can win? You'd rather have the three-pointer, but you can win without it? It's a really good Penn State team, man. I'm telling you, this group here, I mean, I couldn't sleep one night because these guys can really shoot the basketball, and they were the best passing team I've seen all year. And, and Pickett, he's a pro. He's a good player. We did a great job on him by committee. And, uh, man, I'm so proud of these guys right now. We're back in the Sweet 16, Greg. <laughs> First time in 15 years. Yes, sir. Yes, Let's sir. just keep making it. That's right. Make That's it happen. Right. That's right. For your guys, to, to so many veterans on this team, what do you think it's going to mean to them to be able to accomplish this? And I know you want more, but to take that next step. Yeah, Greg, I mean, this group came back here to get past the, you know, the first round. We won the first round last year. We came back here to win a national championship. Now, it's not going to be easy. We got two right now. Okay, we know we got a long way to go in terms of the next 40 minutes in front of us. We're going to enjoy this one for the night. Okay, but we are here to try to compete for the whole thing. I almost think you could fly home without the plane tonight. <laughs> we probably could. No doubt about it, 100%. Mm-hmm. Congratulations, you know? Thank RT. You, Appreciate right. you, buddy. The team is uh, flying high, at least emotionally right now, and they should be. Uh, I thought it was interesting, too. Craig brought up the three-point uh, percentage and the three-point woes for Texas. They were one of 13 from three-point range. Uh, they held Penn State to eight of 28 from three-point range, only 28.6%. By the way, sidebar here, uh, this is actually the worst three-point shooting tournament we've seen so far on record. Yes. You guys know that? Oh, yeah. It says 31, I believe collectively, uh, teams are shooting 31.2% from three-point range. So it's been really bad for everybody. That is not something um, that Texas is, is the only team that's dealing with. But anyway, I digress. Getting back to it, it, it does show you a lot about this team, and a big part of that is Dylan DeSue's emergence, but that they can win in so many different ways. We saw them versus Colgate flip the script, have one of their best three-point shooting performances all season long. In this game, one of their worst three-point shooting performances <laughs> all year long, still found a way to win those games in the tournament. They're so adaptable. Um, they can beat you with you know the the backcourt, which is uh, they're really deep and veteran guard play. Uh, they can beat you now with spectacular play offensively from the front court with guys like Dylan DeSue and uh, Timmy Allen needs to step up. So I just like how adaptable the blueprint is now for Texas. They're so malleable. Yeah, they've been out there just playing as hard as they possibly can. I'm telling you, Craig, we're back in the Sweet Sixteen, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I can fly back. <laughs> we have to do. Uh, Harge as Coach Terry interviewing Coach Terry. Also, you got to do that. Whenever you get your voice right, you're going to need some tea or something after that. I don't know how you can do that for very long. But when you talk about those threes, I think the point is, too, they took as many threes as they made in game one. Yeah. So their entire take, like, they took 13 threes. They made 13 threes in game one. So, yes, you missed 12, terrible percentage. You didn't continue to shoot it at the rate of, hey, let's go shoot 23 threes again and hit two out of 23. Let's stop and get back to Dylan DeSue, and let's do the thing that's working. And, I mean, when you have a guy that played like Dylan DeSue played, why? Why are you shooting threes? Exactly. I, Remember, he started that thing off with the first claim. That, <laughs> that was an advice. That was an advice. But, I mean, yeah, but getting, you know, that we obviously just played that audio for you. And, and by the way, that is courtesy of the IMG Radio Network. Shout yep, out to yep. them. Um, but it was Craig's first question was, hey, after that 10-0 run, they take a three-point lead. You know, what was said in that timeout? After that timeout, 
they just – I love the game plan. It was like, what's working? Dylan DeSue's working. All right, yep. let's double down on that. Let's just give Dylan DeSue. Eight of those last ten points were scores by Dylan DeSue. As you point out, Hearts, they love to – well, not love. They just – they know it's smart. Just go with the hot hand. Go with it, Why we got to force feed something? They got to force it. Go with the yep. hot hand. He's hot. They can't stop him. Yep. You got to make sure that you go to the guy that is playing well. I've seen so many times throughout life where guys will be hot and then they'll never go back to him. And I'm like, what? What are you doing? Yeah. Like, quit being selfish because at the end of the day, it's all about the victory. Who cares who gets the credit at this point? And we talked about it when the when the tournament started. We're like, now it doesn't matter who gets the credit. It's all about the wins. And making sure that you advance. If one guy or everybody's on fire, great. But if one guy is hot, just keep giving him the ball until he cools down, and then we'll start rotating it back around. You don't have to force feed him. The plays were coming to him, and he was catching it, and he even said it himself. He said the best part about it, it was a one dribble and shoot. Mm -hmm. If I had to move, it was one dribble and shoot. Yep. So I had that type of rhythm. Yeah, That's recognize, the best part of it. Just recognize where the double team, when they started double team, recognize where the double team was coming from, and then when they didn't double team, he was like, so y'all not double team? Okay, it's going to yep. be easier than I thought. It was, it was, it was pretty simple for him because he had just such a, a huge height advantage uh, on, on them, yeah. and we talked about this. We knew they were going to go small, Patrick, and Texas would have an advantage inside. That's yep. what ended up really ended up determining the winner. In yeah, this and I mean, and when you think of you're going against a team that's smaller, you worry about the steals, you worry about turnovers because <laughs> there's just going to be a lot of speed on the court. And this backcourt turned the ball. I mean, there was five turnovers in this game that's for amazing. Texas. Yep. That is a really good number in a tournament game to be able to control the ball well enough. And it goes from Dylan DeSue not trying to do too much even when he's hot. And doing the one shoot and uh, one dribble and shoot to where he's not trying to post up to where the double can come because he's dribbling for too long because that's how you get turnovers. It goes to the guards not trying to do too much when they're not hitting their things. Just get the ball inside the Dylan and spread back out. All of that team effort to only have five turnovers in the game. It's a huge thing when you're talking about trying to win against really good teams. How many times did you give away an opportunity to get a shot up? And five is a pretty good number when you're talking about March. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think that's a great point there. And defensively, uh, there's no place where they're playing more like a team than defensively right now. They've just been unbelievable on the defensive end. And that's really what won this game, too. I mean, obviously, Dylan DeSue's the biggest part of it. But defensively, I mean, they held them to 66. Yep. Held them to 80 for 28. If Texas wants to take away something, they're great at being able to, to take away something specifically. And let's say whether it be players or whether it be some concept or scheme, did Jalen Pickett, I mean, he had 11 points, 10 rebounds. He was, and he was, you know, he, can, he contributed, no question about it. But I expected him, who was leading the team in points, steals, assists, to be a huge impact player. And I don't know if he was as impactful as I would have thought he was going to be. This is a guy that was averaging 18 points coming in. He was not able to distribute from you know the post when he likes to get out there and play that booty ball they always talk about. I just think Texas did a really good job of just disrupting Penn State's whole game plan and blueprint and forcing Penn State. Penn State's assist, I think they had like – was it like seven, eight assists? Six. Six assists? Six like they, assists. They, they, they didn't move Nine the ball. Nine turnovers. Yeah, they didn't move the ball very well. Like, like yep. Texas just forced them to play ugly. No, and, and they, they tried to play a lot of hero ball, too. Funk taking uh, 10 three-pointers in that game. He like, thought he was going to heat up. He thought he was going to heat up. He now, never yeah, did. Yeah, and you're like, I get man. You hit it. But Jabari Rice got the message and stopped shooting him at a point and just went, hey, man, this is not what we need to do today. You saw him drive the ball a lot more. 
you, you saw them realize, hey, man, it's not falling right now. Let's not force it. Whereas Penn State went the other direction. Hey, man, we need to hit threes to win because they got size on us and just kept taking bad threes. Like threes that you were defending. Instead of trying to figure out and work the next move, they just continued to try and put them up. And you get one every once in a while, and you get that run there at the end where you're like, oh, man, we hit some shots. We're feeling pretty good. But it's not sustainable when you're not shooting that well. Man, trust yeah. me, I'm a Houston Rockets fan. I remember the D'Antoni <laughs> years. You live by the three and you die by it. The death oh, is just it's an, agonizing, that, yeah. it's an agonizing death. It's a I don't slow mind. It's agonizing a, yeah, it's like, death. It's like, oh, watch your team just <laughs> shoot, <laughs> shoot themselves into a grave. <laughs> it's like, oh, it, what it, game it, was that? Oh, it was in the finals, it right? It was the finals Was it the game. finals, I Yeah, believe? it was in the finals. With, with, oh, they just it was kept in the, shooting. Like Western, Western Conference Finals. Western Conference Finals. Western Conference Finals. And they just kept shooting. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah, but that's a great point. Texas Texas doesn't do that. They realize, hey, we don't have it here, and they have other ways to score, so many other ways to score. And that's, and that's again, back to good coaching from that entire staff to get those guys to not get in their own head about shooting poorly, but provide alternatives yep. of, hey, let's try this. Let's try this. Hey, let's try and drive the paint more. Let's try and get the ball to Dylan DeSue. So you're not telling your guys, hey, don't do this thing where you get open shots and don't take them because you suck and yeah. make your team get in their own head. You start trying to put out different scenarios and, hey, all right, when this guy's coming out on you, we want you to hold it for that half second more to let them get out on you and then take that drive while their feet are still moving so they're going to be on the back of their heels. Uh, my man, uh, CB, uh, shout out to CB. Uh, he wants me to know that Dylan DeSue wore that number 21 football jersey when he was thinking about playing football before yeah. that growth spurt mm-hmm. uh, took him in a different direction. Thank God for that because I think he's found his true <laughs> calling. No doubt about that. All right, we come back. We got Rod's rant of the day. We're just talking NFL. Don't show signing with the Texans. The Cowboys trading with the Texans. What the hell's going on with the Cowboys and the Texans? Hey, Out of brotherly in- love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. We'll Love come back. you. We'll get into it right here on Ball Don't Lie. Waterford out of horn. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, no, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. All right, welcome back. The Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. I want to talk about the NFL, NFL news, notes, and nuggets. Got a lot of different stories to hit uh, from the NFL. The latest one that just broke, we'll get to that one, and then we'll work our way to the Brandon Cooks uh, trade that the Cowboys made. Uh, The Texans have signed Dalton Schultz in free agency for a one-year, $9 million deal. I can't believe he's coming that cheap. On the free agent market, I believe he's also probably a little in disbelief that his value uh, wasn't higher on the free agent market. And I saw a um, a spot track analysis, and they do 
basically salary cap analysis in the NFL. And they have their own uh, app or uh, online tool that allows them to project a player's market value based on their age. He's only 26. Contract status, statistical production, all those different things, different variables they throw into the mix there. And based on their spot track market value uh, tracking tool. They have Don Schultz as a guy who's worthy of basically making around 13 to 12 to 13 mil a year. They said that he's based on their, like I said, their market value assessment. That's what he will be worth. Um, he's not getting close. He's getting nine mil in a year for one year. So teams don't even want to commit to him, let alone make a financial commitment to Dalton Schultz. He's only 26 years old, so he's relatively young. You look at some of the other tight ends, Dallas Goddard is uh, 26 as well. He's making 14.3 mil a year. Uh, Mark Andrews, 24, making 14 mil a year. Najoku, 13.7 mil a year. He's 25. Dawson Knox making 13 mil a year. He's 25. So I, I thought, I think Dalton Schultz believed he was going to be in that realm. Uh, he's not getting close to that, and. For one year, $9 million, I have to believe the Cowboys could have matched that and could have given him that. So my belief is, the Don, this is only my conspiracy theory, that Don Schultz did not want to be with the Cowboys. Because the Cowboys could mm-hmm. Cowboys need a tight end, and I need another tight end. They, yeah. they, got, they got Jake Ferguson. They got a lot and he, of them out shot. But in terms of a proven commodity, that would have been really cheap. Remember, the Cowboys let him go to free agency, I believe, with the thought that he would be uh, low-balled in free agency, and they wouldn't respect his market value, or at least his projected market value, and that they would get him back at a cheaper discounted rate. So I think part of their plan worked for the fact is he decided, rather than go back to the Cowboys, he wanted to go to the Texans. Something tells me, Harris, the Cowboys had a chance to match that. And, you know, they would have, I said, say. They for didn't sure. have a chance, though, because I think he decided, no, 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 I'm going to Texas. Yeah, and that's the part of it, that you sit there and – you try to figure out is it because his feelings got involved in it? It was it because the Cowboys didn't. Yeah. They might, but if the reports were, and you know, I know that James Slater said no, they didn't report that. But if the reports were that they did offer him Albert three Breer. year, thirty six million dollars. That's what Albert Breer reported. I mean, you're making twelve million dollars a year. What did you think you were going to make after you made twelve ten point nine the year before? He probably thought he was going to make you know, 13 the, to 14 million, which is, like I said, those top four tight ends were making 13, 14 to 13. He probably, like I said, miscalculated. It's okay. Yeah, they, what, what mean, do you always he, say? He miscalculated the market. It's okay. All yeah. right. Yesterday's price is not today's price, and today's price is not tomorrow's price. Yeah. And I think he learned that the hard way, and now one. You know, one year, nine million dollar kind of mercenary deal with the Texans. It's a great value for the Texans. Holy Chicago, what a great value yeah. for the Texans. They get a starting caliber tight end for just nine mil a year who's on a contract year, so he's really hungry. He's gonna fight through injuries and everything just to try to play for a bigger long term, probably his last long term deal in the league as a tight end. Oh man. Yeah. You'll get the yeah. best of Dalton Schultz. So it's a good deal for the Texans, bad for Dalton Schultz. It's like that, you know, that I believe it was a Sex in the City line that became a book and that became a movie. Yeah. All right. And the name of the movie book was He's Not He's Just Not That Into You. And I think Dalton Schultz found out that the market is just not that into him. He thought it would be different. He thought, oh man, I'll go out there and they'll see. They looked at my stats. They look at I'm twenty six. I'll look at the other tight ends with my stats and I'm twenty six and that will get comparable compensation. 
he's not that into you. No, sir. He's just not that into you, Dalton Schultz. And <laughs> I, I don't even know why, really. I can't even tell. I know Dalton Schultz isn't the best blocker, and I know that you know there have been some uh, some problems potentially with drops, some with Dalton Schultz. I think Dalton Schultz not is a good much. tight end. Hey, not much. I think he's a good <laughs> tight end, but obviously the market. They would say otherwise. Yeah. Uh, the market also really likes Brandon Cooks because he still has value, even though he's been traded now four times, tied with Eric Dickerson uh, as the most traded <laughs> player in NFL history, which is kind of a backhanded compliment. Yes, it also means teams don't want to commit to you and they don't want to make a long-term financial commitment, but also means you retain your value even late in your NFL career. That's a reason other guys have not been traded four times. Nobody wants your way. They don't want you. Right? <laughs> yeah. They don't want you. And Robbie wasn't traded that much. Nobody wanted Robbie that much, okay? <laughs> they want Brandon Cooks. You're talking about a guy that was traded for a first-round pick twice, a second-round pick, and now the Cowboys get him for trading the Texans a fifth, a sixth, and then they a fifth, the fifth, by the way, is 2023, sixth is in 2024. So they still have a draft pick in each round of this year's draft. And this is a guy that people, I don't know why people think he's uh, maybe over the hill a little bit. He's only 29 years old. Because he's been traded so much, I believe people think he's older than he actually is. Right. He's 29. He's had six 1,000-yard seasons, but he did not have a 1,000-yard season his rookie year. So basically take the last eight years. He's been in the league nine years. And he's had eight 6,000-yard seasons in his last eight with four different teams. That means he can be in any system. Yep. And still be productive. He's got a thousand yard season with four different teams. That is insane. I, I actually, I would love to see if that is actually an NFL record too. That might know, be right. That can't happen a lot. That's crazy. No. But it just shows you that this is a guy that can be productive in a ton of different systems. I love the move by the Cowboys. Your two biggest issues last season, offensively and defensively. Defensively, it was your cornerback opposite Trevon Diggs. Your second cornerback was a weakness to the point where you went through. Remember, you opened your cornerback competition up mid-season and made it an open competition. <laughs> That's how bad it was. I'm not making it up. I no, remember I Dan, know. Dan I Quinn said that. He's like, no, it's open competition. We don't know. We can't solve the problem. So we're just going to bring in bodies. Hopefully they'll solve the problem. They brought in free agents. They had, was it Xavier Rhodes playing the cornerback this yep. year? They played full five, six, I believe six different guys, especially at that cornerback spot. Couldn't figure it out. So for a fifth-round pick, you get Stephon Gilmore, who was a former defensive player of the year at cornerback uh, via trade. And now you've shored up that cornerback spot, which was your biggest Achilles heel, your biggest weakness last year on defense. And your biggest weakness on offense, Dak just didn't have enough weapons. Michael Gallup fell off because of the injury, and you did not have have a true wide, uh, number two wide receiver. It was just C.D. Lamb and then a significant drop-off after that. Well, now you got a true number two wide receiver. As a matter of fact, there are a lot of people that believe that Brandon Cooks, with about a third of the NFL, he's probably a number one wide receiver. You go look at the stats, they look at Go look at uh, yards per route run, adjusted yep. yards per route run, one of the uh, advanced cumulative stats. He is, since 2016, Brandon Cooks has been 32nd in adjusted yards per route run. CeeDee Lamb is 14th, by the way. Michael Gallup is 68th. So essentially, if you're looking at 32, 32 teams, he would be he'd be number one wide receiver for somebody out there. Thank you. So you basically have yourself. He was a, y'all's number one at the Texans. He was the Texans number one wide receiver. Yeah. So essentially, he was the Rams number one wide receiver. <laughs> at yes, one he point. was. So essentially, you get a team, a, a guy who could be number one wide receiver for ten teams out there potentially, and he's going to be your number two wide receiver. And if you look at his career drop rate, five point six percent lower than C.D. Lamb's at eight percent, and Gallup at ten percent. His career A dot average depth. 
of Target, 12.8. Hell, CeeDee Lamb's at 10.5. Gallup's at 13.1. So he's actually a deeper target down the field and more reliable down the field than those guys. And if you go look at his slot production, which I love, he's top 20 in yards per route run from the slot yep. in each of the last three years, which means CeeDee Lamb led the NFL actually in slot production last season. You might have the two top 20 slot receivers in the NFL right now, too. Preach. With Brandon Cooks thrown in there. He was, he was 11th in yards per route run from the slot uh, three years ago, 17th in 2021, and 6th um, going all the way back to 2022. So 2020, the last three years, I should say. So he, he also, I, and I, I, I know he's a 4-3-3 guy coming out. I don't know what his 40 time is still now. Still stretching the field. He can still take the top <laughs> off a of defense. Yes. He really can. Yes. If you look at uh, his deep targets, he is still one of the best deep targets in all of the NFL, Pro Football Focus has them. Um, if you look at just his deep targets downfield, uh, they have them uh, as top top three actually in his um, efficiency as a deep target downfield. Man, I mean, you 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 went through the numbers, but you start looking at what he did from this beginning of his career, 2014, to where he is now. Dude is very productive. His career numbers, he's got 8,616 yards receiving. Yeah. And he averages 13.7 for his career. This is a career. Everywhere I mean, he's gone. Everywhere he's gone, he's been productive. You talk about that 2021 season where he actually did want to play for the Texans. 90 receptions, 1,000 yards, 11.5. His long was 52, and he has six touchdowns. Dude is still a threat when oh, yeah. he wants to play. The only reason last year fell off for him, yeah, he played in 13 games because the Texans have a terrible quarterback yep, situation. Yep, yep. Uh, he doesn't have a great supporting cast, and he was very disgruntled, as you mentioned. And this was supposed to happen last year, actually, before the trade deadline. Cowboys inquired about Brandon Cooks, and the deal was really close to being done. Texans did not want to pay any of his $18 million salary that he was due in 2023. Well, now the Texans have decided because of the situation has changed just a little bit, and it's their fault, by the way. He's so expensive because they signed him to a two-year extension, even though they did not have to. Uh, but I digress. They're going to pay $6 million of his $18 million salary, which means Cowboys only are paying $12 million for a number one wide receiver, basically. No doubt. No that doubt. is That's a gr- That is a great move by yeah. them. And then I, w- I wanted to bring this up, too. Since 2014, Brandon Cooks has 41 receptions of 30-plus yards downfield. The Cowboys and Brandon Cooks last year, didn't want to play football. Mm-hmm. He had four of those receptions. The Cowboys as a team had four. Yeah. They they have issues going downfield. But he, Not no more. He solves those. I mean, like I said, he's if you look at pro football focus grades on 20-plus yard deep targets, he's second behind Justin Jefferson. Yeah. Um, and since going back to 2020, so he's really he still has got the Jets to stretch it downfield. He can play the slot. He can play out wide. Um, like I said, he's basically a number one wide receiver. But you're gonna make him your number two wide receiver, and it gives you insurance when Gallup gets back. Gallup's gonna be your number three wide receiver now. That to me makes the Cowboys one of the deepest wide receiving cores potentially in the league already. So you fixed your two biggest issues on offense: yeah. wide receiver two and cornerback two. You fixed those, and you did it with two fifth round picks, a sixth round pick, and you're paying twelve million dollars for Gilmore and twelve million dollars for uh, Brandon Cooks. And one, both of those guys are considered 
uh, top cornerback for, I don't know, like I said, a third of teams out there would consider Stephon Gilmore to be their top cornerback, and a third of teams would consider Brandon Cooks to be their top wide receiver. You're going to get both of those guys at discounted prices Love for $12 million, and you got them for a fifth, two-fifths, and a sixth-round pick. I believe two of those fifths were compensatory picks, mm-hmm. too, right, for the Cowboys. So like I, I've been saying this for, for years now for the Cowboys. Send them away. Exactly. I've been saying this for years <laughs> for the Cowboys. They only exhaust two means of talent acquisition, draft and undrafted free agency. And by the way, they're really good at it. They're like top 10, top 5 in the NFL at hit rates with draft and undrafted free agency. And that's fine. That's great. But what they need to work on is acquiring talent in uh, by other means, right? And I know the free agency, that's considered... Uh, for them to be an area where they don't get enough value, and it's the worst uh, ta- talent acquisition value in all of the NFL. So they stay away from free agents. And by the way, they still have because they've only re-signed their own guys, LVE and Donovan Wilson. Mm-hmm. They've decided, and it's smart, to go after the best value um, that they can get, which is in the trade market. Other than draft and undrafted free agency, trade market is the next best value, and they're getting tremendous value in the trade market. I mean, great players for fifth and sixth round picks. Pennies on the dollar. Pennies. I'm love with the Cowboys are doing right now. It, it is fantastic. And I love. And now they don't go to the draft having to draft something. They don't, there's no necessity when they uh-huh. come when come when it comes up for them on draft day. They can draft whatever they want. It's like going to the grocery store hungry. You don't want to do that. You're gonna buy way too much food you don't need. Cowboys gonna go into this draft with a kind of a patient. Uh, mentality, and they can really, yep. they can really get a number of different players to uh, really add and contribute to the roster. All right, we'll come back. We'll uh, have off the record, only the side, right here on Ball Don't Lie, wonderful number one. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. All right, we're up against, so I want to be quick with this sound. Y'all know who Larsa Pippen is, right? I do. She's a real housewife on Housewives of Miami, I believe it is. Y'all don't have to watch it. My wife watches it, and I probably know way more about it than I need to. But anyway, I watched a little part of the reunion show. She made a comment that has now made its way viral, and even me and my wife talked about it at the time. It's was like, damn, what? Here is <laughs> the comment that she made about her, her ex-partner, uh, Scottie Pippen, and their relationship and their sex life. Here you go. I was married for 23 years. I've always had sex like four times a night. Four times a night? A night. Yeah, so three times a week is Hold nothing. Hold on. You're telling me you had sex four times a night when you were married? No, I had sex four times a night every night. I never had a day off for 23 years. Wait, what? 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 Yeah, what? Yes. What? Your poor so, vagina. You had sex 28 times a week. <laughs> yeah, I swear. For but with 23 <laughs> years? Yeah. So on oh the road God. too when he was yes. traveling? I don't we never spent time away from each other. Okay. Like we we had a private wow, plane. I traveled intense. with my kids. Oh. Yeah. Marcus has big shoes to fill. Yeah. He wears the size 15 oh. shoes. I think he's okay. Oh, She's referring to Marcus Jordan, Michael Jordan's son, who's just now dating Larsa Pippen, Scottie Pippen's wife. All right, gentlemen. Four times a night, every night. I thought, you know, three times, four times a week's pretty good, but four times a night, every night. What say you? This is, are we talking about true or false fact or fiction? She says it happened. I'm not going to call a woman a liar, but I see why they're not together anymore. That's a lot. Well, I'm going to tell you. That's a lot going on there, man. Scotty Pippen was the original founder of (laughs) BlueChew.com. 
go to bluechew.com. Now, I don't know if he was the founder. Don't quote me on the founder. Wow. Scotty has been making some time over there with Blue Chew. He exudes confidence. Hey, Hart, you've been married a while. You've been married. I, I've been married like a little under two years, so I ain't got that much, uh, you know, experience in it. I'm gonna uh, tell you right now, four times you, a night. If you're capable of doing that, <laughs> you are in the wrong profession. Exactly. <laughs> you Come are on, Dirk devil- Diggler. Exactly. Oh, you, you are doing? in the wrong profession, and I got kids, so that ain't happening. I mean, they got kids too. No, no, no I know, that's what they did have. Them. They did. Yeah. <laughs> they had kids too. That's how it started. I mean, like, so if you just go to Lars, you'd be like, Do you, "Have you watched TV from the year you got married?" This guy, because <laughs> she ain't seen a TV show. It takes time. <laughs> no, maybe they're all quick. Maybe they're all quick. Well, yeah, we don't. Yeah, that's right. She never uh-huh. said the length. She never said the length. They could be like, she like, said size fifteen. No, that's for Marcus. I get the That's for Marcus. She said quickies. They could be quickies, though. They could be four times a night. You could be, if you go 90 seconds, four times a night. That's that's easy. Yeah, that's 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 in 10 minutes of your day. You're good. I was trying trying not to do Scotty like that. (laughs) Scotty's got enough on his plate. Well, your rally cap is is amazing. It is, yes. He can't, yes. I'm like, yes. I'm like, to stamina, not the issue, your ability to, um, yes, to come back strong. Bluechew.com. <laughs> exactly. Just go to bluechew.com. Wow. So I thought the Will Chamberlain thing was mind blowing. Well, right. Scotty needs some more respect because if you were doing that four times a night and also going out to play and having yeah. all, you know what I mean? yeah. all NBA performances like that and winning titles, then a hey, women don't weaken legs. Yeah. Because oh, he was geez. out there balling. He's out there strong with yeah, exactly. you. Know, I'm going to say this started around Rockets time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that does seem about right. Yeah. yeah, that's when that started. That's why he didn't have anything left for the Rockets. Oh, okay, yeah. wow. he's doing this in Portland. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if he was doing that with MJ, but that is wow. All right, Marcus Jordan, you got big shoes to fill. And she she said size. He hate taking care of business. Four times, and he was sitting over there like. Damn, you gonna say that right now? And what do you think, Connor? Me? I know. Yes. What do you think, Connor? Is that why Michael Jordan has to sell the Hornets? <laughs> it's like, well, come on, I gotta beat Scotty. I took that personal. <laughs> I took that personal. <laughs> I don't have no time for nothing else. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, he probably told MJ one night about his sexual escapades. His wife, MJ's like, what? He said he had four times a night. I was only doing once or twice. Yeah. I tried to beat it one night. But that was the that was the flu game. <laughs> All right, we'll get ourselves in trouble. We got to get out of here and go to break. We'll come back, uh, talk about the Cowboys moves, NFL news notes and nuggets, and also uh, talk some Texas basketball. All that and more right here on Ball Don't Lie, wonderful, not the horn.